Hello and welcome to the Ghosts of Lincoln podcast. I'm your host, Chris Hatch, and I'd like to tell you a scary story about where I'm from. Did you ever play that game when you were a kid? You know the one I'm talking about. Get all hopped up on Surge and Doritos 3D, and then someone at the slumber party would pop off with the ultimate and disrespectful double dog dares. And all of a sudden, you'd be standing in front of a mirror with your hand hovering just over a light switch. You'd hesitate just for a moment internally, and maybe your hand wouldn't involuntarily quaver. Maybe you wouldn't suddenly find your lips dry in the kind of parched thirstiness that had nothing to do with the fact that you had already slugged down 200 calories worth of sugar and enough potassium benzoate to make a scientist shiver in horror. Your mouth would open up, lips parting slightly, and fingers getting ready to flick yourself into a sudden and stunning lack of incandescence. You were supposed to say it say her four syllables three times in the dark a name that was rumored to conjure unspeakable monstrosities directly from out of the unseen nether worlds of your teenage nightmares bloody mary you'd say the first one as nonchalant as possible after all your homies were watching and you couldn't let them see that you were strangely nervous about something that had seemed so innocuous only moments ago during your brash declaration of courage in the midst of your Nintendo 64 marathon. Bloody Mary. Okay, it was getting a little more real now. Suddenly that darkness around you seemed thicker, more viscous, humidity with no heat. That mirror in front of you was dark, portentous. Your own reflection staring back at you was marred, altered by the lack of lighting as it looked back at you with blackness coloring in the details like a child with a heavy-handed black Crayola. Your hand was still on the switch. I mean, you could just flick it up and claim it was an accident. After all, why weren't they in the room with you? Maybe you weren't the one who was scared. Maybe they were. You could just tell them you did it and stroll back out like a conquering hero and then kick their asses in golden eye and they would be none the wiser. But here you were, squinting into that cheaply mounted abyss above your BFF's bathroom sink and suddenly feeling for all the world like you didn't even recognize the person the thing staring back at you from its silhouetted place in that aluminum vacuum-coated mirror. Bloody Mary. You either said it, or you didn't. Either pulled the twelve-year-old ripcord and leapt out of the bathroom back to the well-lit Chips Ahoy feeding frenzy of your slumber party, or you flipped the switch on with your heart racing and your adrenal glands pounding like the bass line to that Ja Rule song playing in the next room. And you see, everyone 
knows their own version of who or what this story is referring to. Where she came from, how she got there, and what she wants from us. But the thing is, in Lincoln, Nebraska, if you say her name, you're not calling out to some fake made-for-TV late-night PG-13 sci-fi creation. Bloody Mary's real. Or rather, she was. How true is her story? That is up for debate. But make no mistake, Bloody Mary isn't staring back at you in that mirror. She's still right here in a mid-sized town in the middle of the country. So let's throw another log on our digital campfire. Huddle closer together. And someone pass me the damn s'mores. It's midnight now, and I'm going to tell you about Bloody Mary. This is a What the Husk podcast production. And this is episode 8 of the Ghosts of Lincoln. There are places here where the old ways have yet to die entirely. Corners of this blacktop and pavement city that still contain some vestiges of the past. Shadows that whisper of untamed prairie nights that are just around the corner of that four stories of an office building or tucked behind the shade of a wide oak that's been here all along. It's here in these places at the intersection of past and present, urban and rural, where the tide of New Age Nebraska comes rushing up to prairie beaches of our past, where wagon ruts have been plowed over and dizzying panoramic views await at the top of that dirt road if we can just get out of the traffic on our way out of town. It's in these most Midwestern of juxtapositions when our tenses get tossed into a blender and what was and what is are chopped up into an ice-cold legend frappe. And so what of these in-betweens, these gray areas between now and then and later? What could be left living between them? Lurking. What myths could have actually been facts, or will someday be held as the inalienable truths once again? There's one place in Lincoln where you can ask these questions even if the answers have faded like the curling, dried edges of the newspapers the stories were once printed upon. Head north, hop in a car and turn up this podcast, and let's take ourselves to what was once the edge of Lincoln, Nebraska. And if you drive north of Lincoln to just the right spot, you might find yourself suddenly enveloped by it, feeling as much as seeing. If you get out just far enough, you might come to the area surrounding Helen Busalis Park. No joke, there is a ghost story involving a park with the word Boo in it. It's right around 44th and Superior Street and it used to be the country. Goats, cattle, 
crops. Pioneer shit. Now it's an archery range down the street from a high school and what used to be an Amigos that I worked at for a few months in college before it lost a spectacular amount of money and ended up closing. Was part of the reason it never made any money the fact that I drank 212 ounces of free Diet Mountain Dew every day and then took home two cheesy meals worth of free food? Maybe. But many years before a college-aged wannabe author was cholesteroling his way through temporary employment in that area. Sometime in the year 1889, it was where Mary Partington was born. Her grandfather, lured out with the promise of cheap land and the freedom of the wild western world, set up shop on a low ridge near Salt Creek. It was there where she was eventually born. There she was raised. And since she eventually became a teacher, it was, in fact, on the playground where she spent most of her days. It's where she saw her mother pass away at a young age, where Mary lived alone with her father in the daily farmer's toil of labor and land, and where she remained after his passing, alone. After long years of living the hashtag ag life. She eventually sold a chunk of the land and became a school teacher. As the months turned to years and the city crept towards her large home, the country suddenly wasn't so isolated anymore. A network of streets, veins of people from the growing city of Lincoln eased their way out towards her. And as urban encroached country, the school teacher could often be found sitting on her large front porch, watching that industrial tide roll in. Oh, and she was watching her goats, which she was apparently very fond of. And on one of these nights, when the sun was just beginning to set, that kind of gilded fall lighting just starting to coat the air, like ornate leaf work struck by dusk and crisp fall smells, Mary was out on her porch. She was rocking and watching those damn goats. She was chill AF when some kids rolled up and noticed her. I don't know if they had similar aspersions to goats as I do, or if they were just some a-hole pack of young kids, or if they suddenly seemed to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, but they felt that something was amiss about that place in that moment. It was three high school kids doing what young idiots do. They were driving around aimlessly, shiftlessly, and based on this story, certainly without dates, these young dipwads stopped at the intersection, just far enough away to see a dark house, those goats, and an old woman dressed in her old woman clothes. It was merely Mary minding her own damn business. But to them, this feverish sun-fading nightmare had to be something more, something dark. She was dressed as she was wont to do in her old-timey dresses, and they noticed quickly that she didn't appear to have any electricity running to the house. After idling briefly for a moment, 
the elderly woman stood and went back into her home. The boys in the car, certain that they had seen something entirely odd, fired up their whip and drove back into town. And what should have stopped there did exactly the opposite. Much like that burgeoning city, the one that seemed to split and cancer cell spread its way towards her quiet life. The story of the old woman in the old clothes in the old dark farmhouse spread like a spark to a flame. And this is how a kindly old school teacher was suddenly the talk of all the young people in the town. Bloody Mary. The sweet school teacher with the Nebraska roots who liked to sit in her rocking chair and look out on all she had worked to achieve. The one who was all too eager to help a kid fix their bike should they get stuck near her yard or smile at a student when she knew they were having a rough day. She was already halfway a ghost, wasn't she? Haunted as she was by the passage of time and the world that tried to pull her in a direction she wasn't entirely sure she needed to go. Haunted by the stereotypes that have led so many of us to miscast people who are a little different, and, especially if they're women, judge them all too harshly for these differences. They said that she lived out there, alone in the dark, waiting for anyone to be foolish enough to set foot on her land so she could stumble after them with her walking stick held like a cudgel and a curse playing across her lips. That she and her pack of demon goats were just waiting for their next human sacrifice to give up to the ancient spirits that she appeased. Bloody Mary. Seen through the prism of young morons, left unchecked by adults, her false story grew. And she endured it all, as she always had, like she endured the howling winds of a prairie storm, like she endured the early deaths of her parents and her struggles to retain her family's legacy, like the mysterious deaths that occurred to her goats or the stream of young kids double-dog daring their way onto her property to disrupt the twilight of her life with their flame-throwing stupidity. And so it was that as her legend grew, so too did her harassment. At one point, she was actually shot in the stomach by a group of trespassers in 1961. They were firing at her windows and home, as had occurred many times before, and one of these errant shots hit her in the stomach. But this isn't where Mary's story ends, because Mary Partington was, if you haven't already gathered, a complete badass. No, she waited until morning, and only then, when a neighbor came by to check on her, did she get a ride into the town to get medical attention. Bloody Mary. Fast forward to October 26, 1966. At 3 a.m., the now 77-year-old Partington was asleep in her bed when suddenly she awoke to the all-too-familiar sounds of a vehicle approaching. Fearless but tired, she rose from her bed, her legs swinging off the side of her mattress as she fumbled to turn on her light switch. Just kidding, she still did not have electricity. Like I said, bad ass. 
Mary reached with practiced ease underneath her bed and grabbed her shotgun. Then she grabbed the phone. As she was picking up the phone and dialing, she heard the sound of glass breaking. She reported it directly to the authorities, calling the sheriff's office, but his car was still a long ways away. And so there, in the darkness of her home, with the pulsing heartbeat of her own pounding fear echoing, she knew that this time would be different. All these years of trial and torment and torture, and here she was face to face with her own real horror story. It was, I shit you not, a recently released mental patient trying to break into her home. He was from, I shit you not, the state of Iowa, of course. And he was breaking into her home with all of the kind of willful, dark, charcoal malice that you could possibly process at 3 a.m. in late October when you know neither pity nor kindness. Mary herself knew both, but she also knew how to fight. And as this man wedged himself partially through the window, coming for her with fire and hate in his eyes, Mary fired a single shot straight into his face. Believing him only to be wounded, Mary once again called the police. But the man wasn't wounded, he was dead. The police ultimately ruled it an act of self-defense. Contrary to everything that makes sense to me in the year 2019, this did not end her harassment, but it continued unabated. It never really relented. All from that fateful, utterly harmless moment when a sweet old school teacher was misjudged from afar by a pack of fuck-nothings and no one had the stones to step in and tell them to close their damn mouths. Eventually, at the urging of her family in town, she moved. She left behind the only home she'd ever known, where she'd seen her father die, where she'd taken the life of another man, and where she had survived the relentless onslaught of the darkest corners of the human experience, our capacity for cruelty. The home was burned to the ground in 1977, and Mary passed away a mere two years later. But her story lived on, twisted, mangled, scarred like the smoky remains of that place where she had lived for so long. And like a piece of artwork in an ugly frame, her paint faded, leaving behind only half-truths and a place where she had once been. A sad, copper-tasting, bloody history of a woman who was rarely treated right by a place that I love. Frankly, this tale that I set out to tell, it's not a ghost story. It's a tragedy, a Shakespearean gut punch that left me with that metallic taste of angry disappointment in the people and the place that I love. If you find yourself out near the former home of Bloody Mary, stop for a moment. Hold your breath and steady your heart. For it is haunted. Just not by Mary. It's haunted by the cold laughter and the manic palpitations of groupthink run wildly amok. 
It's haunted by the ghoulish eyes of a man breaking into a woman's home with blood on his hands that turned out to be his own. It is haunted, but not by ghosts. It's haunted by us. We're the ghosts in this story. What we did, what we became. When you say her name three times and flip on that light switch, the only face staring back at you will be your own. And you have to decide. We all do what we think of the person staring back at us. Which brings us to a segment that we like to call The Ghost Roast. And yes, I saved this segment for last. We needed a little levity. And because I'm coming for you, Lincoln, on this one. Yes, I'm not roasting Mary or her love of goats, which I find to basically be shaggy little devil monsters with rectangle eyes and a love of headbutting dads directly in their junk on America's Funniest Home Videos. Nah, I'm roasting Lincoln. Because I want this to be a ghost story. A terrifying one. Because we deserve that. Bloody Mary was far too kind and sweet for all the bullshit we put her through. What I want is for her to be real. And to not only be real, to not only be present at her home in the form of some ghostly apparition, but to be able to take the most terrifying fucking ghostly form on the planet. Because that's what we deserve. To be haunted by the memory of this sweet old lady that we perennially screwed over and mistreated. I want her to go bump in the night and to show up as some kind of leering, monstrous ghoul that scares the entire bladder of urine directly out of the urethras of some stumble-fucking bullies who think they're going to go out there and disrespect her again. Because maybe then, with pee dribbling down their shaking legs and their toxic masculinity or their mean girl tendencies ejecting out of their thick skulls at 200 beats per minute, they'll learn that you cannot treat people this way. I mean, when all else fails, come on back, Mary. A shotgun blast to the face wasn't deterrent enough to stop people from coming for you. So I guess you better step your game up. Because whatever that means for us, you are the ghost that we deserve. And this has been another edition of The Ghost Roast. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Ghosts of Lincoln podcast. As always, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or share our stories with the people who you know would enjoy them most. Good night.